Hello again, church. Last week, we launched a series titled Doctrine for a Hungry Soul. Doctrine refers to our core beliefs as Christians. And as we began this series by looking at the Trinity, the identity of our great God, we're going to continue that series by looking at covenant today, as I've already mentioned. We will be looking at the theme of covenant and how that covenant with humanity brings joy and hope to the entire world. But before we dive deep into God's word, let us bow our heads and pray. Let me pray. Father Almighty, through this teaching, empower us to listen to the gospel story, to understand your wondrous deeds, which shine light onto your glorious and holy character. Lord Jesus Christ, through this teaching, help us to receive this good news that you have entered into our chaos, that you have sacrificed yourself for our sins, that you have been raised from the dead in power and that you're exalted over all creation as Lord. And Holy Spirit, through this teaching, enable us to live in the light of the gospel, declaring its truth with our words and embodying this truth with our actions. Amen. Well, this is a picture of me in 2014. I was quite young. I was 20 years old. And I entered into a covenant agreement with Jessica over there. On that day, I remember being incredibly nervous. You can probably see in my facial expression there. My knees were heavy. My legs were probably shaking a little bit. My party of black suited friends came around me to support me. And after I had received a little more confidence, the minister approached me and he said this to me, Jesse, your bride has arrived. Let's pray. And so me and my friends, we gathered in a circle and prayed. We prayed that this commitment, this covenant, which was soon to take place, would bring glory to God for the rest of my life and Jessica's. And then a song came on and four ladies in green dresses walked to the front and then there was a bit of a pause and then Jessica came through with her father in a beautiful white dress. And then standing next to me, we made a covenant promise to each other before God that we would serve each other for life. God brought us together through the covenant of marriage. And so since God is the God who makes covenants, we should not be surprised that he made a covenant with humanity at the very beginning of the Bible. Adam was charged not to eat from the tree of knowledge between good and evil. If he obeyed, he would enjoy life and fulfill his task to be stewards of God's creation. If he rebelled, darkness would go all around the world. There would be a curse. And sadly, we know what happened. Adam, along with his wife, Eve, were tempted by a serpent and violated the covenant of God, the covenant of creation. They were cursed. They experienced shame. They realized they were naked. They wanted to hide from God. They were then cast out of God's presence. 
and they received the curse of sin for breaking the covenant, which is death. But even though humanity committed the ultimate crime, breaking the covenant agreement of creation, that's not the end of the story. God displays the radical depth of his love. He said to the serpent, and I'll put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He'll crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, that might be a bit of a strange phrase, but let me paraphrase it. God promised Adam and Eve, well, promised the serpent and Adam and Eve, who also were listeners, that a descendant of Eve would crush the serpent, the devil, Satan, through a bloody sacrifice and save humanity from the curse of sin. And as we know from history, the promised seed is Jesus. As I like to call him, the serpent crusher. Or Colin Buchanan says, the sin smasher. Jesus is the serpent crusher, who was promised from the very beginning of Scripture. Yes, when Jesus entered our chaos, he was tempted like us, starving in the wilderness. Jesus overcame the serpent's deceptions. Then with the ultimate trial underway, death on the cross, Jesus crushed the serpent's head through his death. While it seemed like Jesus was defeated because he died, he was in fact declared victorious. Now those who trust in him are no longer slaves to sin, death, or Satan. Those who trusted Jesus are written in the book of life. We have the hope of eternal life as Christians. God's love for humanity is simply radical. And from the very beginning of the Bible story, we see God pursue us through his covenant love. So I want to ask you this question. Does that bring you assurance of God's love? Does that fill you with assurance that even after Adam and Eve rebelled against God, God says, you know what? I am committed to you nonetheless. I want to focus on you. I want to commit to you. It gives us great assurance. But even though there's hope for humanity in Genesis 3, sin, the toxic, world-wrecking anarchy of sin, continued to expand across the creation. And this now brings us to another man, which we looked at earlier, kids, Abraham. One day, God took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. God promised that his seed, his descendants, his family would be countless in number, a great multitude. In fact, God's promise was so great that he could, he even declared to Abraham that he would be the father of many, many, many nations. In fact, the whole world. God wanted to crown his people with eternal life. And Abraham believed in that promise. 
And he was righteous, declared righteous. But while there's, this promise is well and good, there's a little problem in the story. Does anyone know how old Abraham was when he received this promise? He was 75. And he had no kids. How can Abraham be the father of many nations without having any kids? It seems impossible for us, but not for God. At the age of 100, the promise came true. I want to read you this scripture. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised. That makes me say, well, I've never ever heard of a 100-year-old giving birth to a child. It seems outrageous. Yes, there was different times that might have added some difference there. But what the point of the story is here is that God keeps his promises. He never fails to keep them. As Balaam the prophet says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Has he ever not carried it through, guys? He always keeps his promises. If there's one thing we can place our bets on, it would be God every single time. God never changes his mind. He never fails. He always, always sticks to his plans, no matter what. Though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, one thing remains. God's unfailing love for us will be forever. God's unfailing love for you will never be shaken, nor his covenant of peace be removed. Isaiah 54 verse 10. God is the covenant keeping God. And that's the overarching point of this message of this theme today, this liturgy, that God is for us. Does that bring you assurance? Does that fill you with hope? It fills me with hope. And my prayer, it fills you with hope. And since God is the promise keeper, we must, like Abraham, live by faith. That's the application here. Live by faith. We must walk like Jesus, the one who trusted every syllable of God's word, even when it seems crazy. As he walked in deep trust to his father, so should we walk as Christians. Even when the world laughs at our faith, rejects us publicly, we should never lose sight of God. Even if every single person in our life turns their back on us, my prayer is that you will have the faith of Jesus who was completely betrayed before he died by people he loved. Live by faith. Follow the author and perfecter of the faith, Jesus Christ. For he knows our pain. He has experienced our grief. He has shared in our chaos, our loneliness. But even though his faith murdered him, even though his own his torn flesh rubbed up and down against the splinters of the cross as he pushed on the nails to breathe, he remained steadfast in faith. He did. 
He remained loyal to God's plans, God's promise, God's covenant. He perished for us to give us new life. And now he says to us, take up your cross and follow me. Live the way I do in total allegiance to the Father. Surrender your whole self. As the Billy Graham theme song, Billy Graham crusade theme song said, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. That is a faith that trusts in the plans and purposes of God every single day, even when it's hard and we do fail. But remember, God is merciful. Now, while God is the promise-keeping God, there's one more question to ask us. Did God keep the promise to Abraham that he would become a father of many nations? Hands up if you think yes. You're right, he did. In Matthew's gospel, we see, and it's a genealogy, and often we skip that, but it's important to see, we see that Jesus comes from the very line of Abraham. He's a descendant of Abraham, his offspring. And as we remember from the covenant to Abraham, through Abraham's seed, many nations would be blessed. Well, guess what? Jesus, the Messiah King, is the heir promised to Abraham through whom all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. I love this scripture from Galatians because Paul's um, theology kind of just makes this idea succinct. Understand then that those who have faith in Jesus, that's the context, are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. Right back then, and I would say even earlier, Genesis 3, all nations would be blessed through him. Paul is making a profound point through the work of Christ on the cross. The man who became a curse for us on the tree, Galatians 3.13, makes us right in God's sight. And now we can become children of Abraham. And because we become children of Abraham, we actually become children of the heavenly father. We become God's children. We are incorporated into the very family of God through the only righteous seed of Abraham left, which is Jesus. And I'm going to be speaking a bit about that next week. But this is good news. This is good news. God has kept his promise to Abraham. The world is blessed in Christ alone. How extraordinary. As Pixie often says, Amen, Amen, Amen three times because it is just so good news. God keeps his promises. However, before I finish this time together, there's another little point I'd like to raise. Abraham and God has not yet received all his offspring through Christ. The mission of God is not over yet. Many lives are still yet to be blessed. The seed of Abraham has not reached the every corner of the globe. Multitudes of souls still need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. Many people are still prisoners of sin. And as one with the heart of an evangelist, as one with the heart of someone who longs for others to know Jesus, I long for them to join the family of God, the family of Abraham. And my prayer is that you will have the same longing for God's worldwide mission.
And so I want to challenge you to consider three people who, who do not know Jesus in your life. And this is a challenge, not just the parents, but you, you guys as well, kids. Think about those in your year group at school. I want you to firstly pray for them. Consider creative ways to share your life with them. And what I mean by life is your faith. Ask God to give you opportunities to proclaim the gospel verbally. Ask God to give you the confidence and strength each day as you go on mission. Maybe as you walk into the school, for example, the school gate becomes that reminder. I'm here on mission for Jesus. This school gate, that's my reminder. Or maybe it's the, the door into your workplace. Or even your, the door coming out of your house. Ask God to give you the strength and confidence. While you might feel like your work is insignificant, a tiny little dent in God's universal mission, it'll be worth all the effort, the blood, sweat and tears. Here's why. Focus on me for a moment. Those three people you proclaim the gospel to, the hope that they can be part of God's family, might proclaim the gospel to three others. And those to three others. And those to three others. And those to three others. And then we get this massive pyramid, multitude of people who have come to Christ because of your faith. You're just focusing on those three. And I'm not just saying you have to focus on three. If you have a heart for 20, 50, 100, go for it. And here's an image which will describe your missional, evangelistic, gospel-centered life. And I love the image from uh, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. By faith, God can use you to store up treasures in heaven, which is more and more lives saved by the blood of Jesus. I pray that you will live this missionary life. It's not just for ministers. It's for everyone. We're all ministers of the gospel. We're priesthood of all believers. And this is our call to proclaim Christ until the end of our life. And the irony of it is our life never ends. Friends, hold on to my main point today. God is the promise-keeping God. And may you find assurance every day as you serve Jesus. Amen. Let me pray. Gracious God, you are the promise-keeping God. Even though we are so rebellious, you have remained committed to us. Therefore, we praise you for making a covenant with our father Abraham and fulfilling your promise to him through his only faithful seed, Jesus. Since you never failed to keep your promises, help us to surrender all each day to you. By your spirit, help us to walk in total faith, proclaiming your gospel to the ends of the earth until our final breath. Amen.